Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam signed a uh, new law this week. Share that with you along with the uh, new laws passed by the, uh, or I don't know, the past is probably euphemistic uh, when it comes to a country with a sultan, but the new laws in Brunei that go into effect, go into effect uh, today, all these things expressing the utter hypocrisy and uh Inability of the left, sorry for my sniffling there a little bit, this allergy season is in full swing here in Oklahoma, uh, but the uh, just the, the inability of the left to think rationally in the, uh, in the age of Trump or maybe just in the modern era in general, and uh, we, we've got all that, plus I'm going to talk a little bit about fixing taxes in Oklahoma, fixing the tax system in Oklahoma here, but... Uh, no, this is this is news out of the state of Virginia. Uh, Governor Ralph Northam, who either uh, dressed as a Klansman or in blackface, there's still a debate about that uh, for a picture in his uh, medical school yearbook. But somehow he is still governor of uh, Virginia, and Ralph Northam signed a law on Monday to make animal cruelty a felony in Virginia. Uh no word on whether this would apply to uh, animals uh, right after they've been born. That's obviously Governor Northam doesn't believe in protecting human beings right after they've been born. The way I read the law here, it actually looks like it would apply to uh, to to animals even right at, you know even even right after the moment of birth, but. Uh, uh, so, may, so it looks like Virginia Governor Ralph Northam uh, signing legislation to create uh, stronger protections for animals than for human beings, at least at the, at least at the moment of birth, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, and late and and uh, yeah, no 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 telling. Uh, I mean, I, well, anyhow, and of course, you know, it's still a crime under federal law to uh, to mess with the egg. Of of an endangered bird like an eagle or a condor, right? I mean, you could go to you could go to federal prison, even though it's just a clump of cells, right? Uh, so there you go. Meanwhile, in Brunei, laws uh, taking effect today, uh, bringing uh, Sharia law into full effect in the Sultanate of Brunei, a country that's about two thirds uh, Muslim. And this includes the the death penalty. They will they will stone people in Brunei uh, for homosexuality, for adultery. They'll cut people's hands off for stealing, and, and you know all these all these things. If you're if you're you know too young to be stoned, they'll uh, they'll tie you to a post and whip you, according to what I was uh, reading. And you know, two things about this. Two things about this, just real quick. I mean, one is according to some people on the left. Right, there is no difference between this and a law. Yeah, I, I, I had to sit through this hearing because uh, they were hearing a, a they were hearing one of these anti electoral college bills in Colorado, and I had to sit through this hearing beforehand on legislation that would simply protect the right of Christian people in their businesses to decide not to participate in gay weddings. And it was absolutely clear from sitting through the testimony of multiple leftist leaders in Denver uh, about a month ago, I mean, people on the left cannot distinguish between the evil Sharia laws adopted by the Sultanate of Brunei uh, and, and 
and Christian, and, and this is this is what Christians and conservatives have to understand, right? The people on the left, they literally cannot distinguish, right, between people who say, we just want to be left alone. We just want to be allowed in our in our own business, in our own lives, in our own churches, in our own schools, in our own families. We just want to be allowed to uh, to do our own thing, follow the dictates of our conscience. And, you know, and, and frankly, you know, in the case of people like uh, like the guy in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, just treat people with respect and, and even with love, but not not be forced to involve ourselves in the decisions that they make, right? I mean, people on the left, they cannot distinguish between that and what's going on today in Brunei. And, you know, they're, they're calling for, you got uh, George Clooney out there and a bunch of other people calling for uh, boycotts of uh, certain Brunei-owned hotels and things like that. And, you know, fine, fine, great, right? But these are the same people who say that nobody should go to North Carolina because, because North Carolina just wants to allow individual people to be protected, and uh, and to regard, you know, men as men and women as women and stuff like that, right? I mean, you know, this really controversial stuff. I, I don't, right? It's a reminder. There's, there, I mean, there's real, there is real discrimination, though, in, in the world, right? I guess that's the other thing we could say about it. I mean, that that's that's real, right? That's real uh, discrimination. That's using the power of government to reach into people's lives and uh, not, not to mention, uh, you know, reminder uh, that... You know, sometimes you get the pushback on criminal justice reform that, well, you know, people people broke the law, they should suffer whatever the penalty is, and it's a reminder of what, uh, frankly, our American forebears, uh, some of the earliest criminal justice reformers uh, ought, ought to teach us if we're paying attention, which is that, you know, the punishments ought to be proportional to the to the crime. Uh, so, uh, anyhow, they, all, all those things, all, all those things you can tease out of what's going on in Brunei. Okay, here's here's a story you're going to like. I promise you're gonna like this. I love this, and, and you know, I apologize for my stifling, but it is, it is allergy season. My word. Uh, so there are companies out there that are working on extracting CO2 from the air. Have you seen this? And and this this technology, some of some of it's new. Mostly, like like a lot of like a lot of techno- technological innovation, it's really about making these processes cheap, right? Chemists know how to do this; they know how to how to extract uh, carbon dioxide from the air. Uh, the the real The real trick is to to make it uh, cheap and make it something you do do on a kind of an industrial scale, and. And they're making real advances in actually figuring out how to pull carbon dioxide out of the air. Now, now look, here's the thing, right? One of the most one of the most rational responses to climate change alarmism has always been, look, if if this is really a problem, the first question is, what technology do we have to deal with it? Right? I mean, that's a, that is a rational response. You can say, you know, I think I think climate change is a big problem. I think climate change is not a problem. I think climate change is man-made. I think climate change is not man-made. Right? Wherever you fall on all of that, you could you could sort of set that aside and say, you know, look look. The bigger question is, if it is a problem, what are we going to do about it that actually works? And you know, most of what the environmental left and the climate extremists propose is not stuff that's actually practical. Is it not politically feasible? It's not. Uh, you know, it, it, it would lead to widespread uh, uh, widespread death around the world by uh, by lowering, uh, the, you know, lowering the GDP in already uh, already pretty tough places to live all around the world. Which so the question is, as a practical matter, what can you do about it? You got entrepreneurs out there and scientists out there saying, well, look, if climate change is a real problem, 
why don't we just pull this CO2 out of the air, get, get ourselves back to what we think are, you know, are acceptable levels of CO2. So the, the, the BBC, which is funded by British taxpayers and uh, is a left-wing media organization uh, like PBS and, uh, and NPR here in the United States, they've got this whole story about this, and it's, it, I mean, it's pretty interesting. There, there's a company that has figured out how to do this relatively cheaply, looks like it'll scale, and and what's what is just fascinating? I I knew because I know, you know, I grew up in the Seattle area. I know how the environmental left thinks. I I thought you know I I know there's going to be a uh, there, there's going to be all kinds of pushback against this from the environmental left. And you, you might say, well, wait a second, this this sounds like this sounds like a dream come true for them. No, 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 no. Uh, so you go down to the end of this article. And uh, they, they have the, the last section of this article, how have environmentalists reacted to carbon engineering's plans? This company called Carbon Engineering based up in British Columbia, uh, the west coast of Canada. And they quote uh, Zephora Berman, the international program director for Stand.Earth, who says, no, 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 no. We need to be working together to figure out how to move away completely from fossil fuel. That is our moral and economic challenge, right? So... What she, is it a she? I'm not sure. Zipporah? Yeah, it's got to be a she. What she's saying is, it doesn't matter, even, even if you could ameliorate all the effects of climate change, even if the climate stopped changing because you figured out how to sequester all this carbon, we should still stop using fossil fuels. And a rational person scratches his or her head and says, why? Why is that? Right? What is, what is going on here? Right? And, and I mean, this environmentalism, this kind of environmental, it's a religion. It's not based on science. It's not just a political movement. They quote uh, Shakti Ramkumar, uh, a climate change protester in British Columbia who's, uh, who says uh, the real danger is that people will not cut back their own carbon. People won't change, people won't change their behavior. I mean, think about that. The, the real danger is that because people won't need to change their behavior, they won't change their behavior. So the whole point of all this climate change movement, at least according to this one person quoted by the BBC, is to change people's, people's behavior. Changing people's behavior matters more than saving the planet. Isn't that interesting? I remember being in a meeting with uh, Al Gore back after, uh, after he lost the 2000 election, and Al Gore was asked uh, if... If he suddenly learned, if he learned, if he learned and really believed that climate change was not happening, the global warming was not happening, would he, would he stop advocating the policies he was advocating? And to his great, uh, you know, to, to, I mean, I, I give Al Gore lots of credit. Uh, I mean, he was honest. He said, he said no. He would even, even, if, even if he believed that climate change wasn't happening, he'd still advocate all the same policies. And that is what we see here. I'm going to play a commercial. We're going to come back and talk about taxes in Oklahoma and also the latest uh, the latest collusion story have you seen the latest collusion story I'll, I'll tell you what that is when we come back on the Trent England show Trey Gowdy I can finally say it it's former congressman Trey Gowdy who's going to be the featured speaker for OCPA's citizenship award dinner this spring for all the details visit ocpathink.org or call 405-602-1667 that's ocpathink.org 
or by phone 405-602-1667 to sponsor a table or get tickets to Oklahoma's biggest conservative bash of the year. It's going to be Travian. Hi, this is Curtis Sheldon at OCPA. It's state budget time, and you know what that means? A lot of confusing debates, questionable claims, and political jargon. If you want to know what's really going on, I've created some simple descriptions of the process, along with words you need to know and some basic charts and graphs. You can find it all on the OCPA webpage or the OCPA Facebook page. And if you have any more questions, feel free to send us a message at the OCPA Facebook page, and I or someone on our team will get back to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Trent England Show. If you want to get more involved, sign up for OCPA emails at ocpathink.org. That's ocpathink.org. You can also join our private group on Facebook, the OCPA Patriots. Both provide exclusive content, including the latest OCPA research, and keep you in the loop with what's going on at the Capitol. Thanks for listening. Do you want to share an episode of the Trent England Show with friends? Or do you want to replay an episode or catch one you missed? You can get The Trent England Show anytime, anywhere on Facebook at The Trent England Show page or follow me on Twitter at Trent England. You can also find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and on the OCPA website at ocpathink.org slash Show. Thanks for listening and thanks for sharing. Okay, we're back on the Trent England show. So uh, the latest collusion story. I mean, this has got this has got to be the way the left thinks. This has got to be a collusion story. You see, a 32-year-old Chinese woman was arrested and is being held for trying to break into the Mar-a-Lago Club, that is Donald Trump's club down in uh, in Florida in Palm Beach. I, I I've been there once, but uh, it's a long time ago, and. Uh, she had two different passports. She had, uh, where where'd this go here? Two different passports. She had a thumb drive containing a computer virus. She had a, uh, a laptop, four mobile phones. Clearly up to no good, right? Clearly up to no good. Trying to sneak into the Mar-a-Lago. I mean, look, the way the left thinks about this stuff, right? This has got, this is, I mean, this is Chinese collusion with Donald Trump, right? Because... It's a person who's Chinese, and uh, she was trying to somehow, you know, to get in, to basically uh, break into Donald Trump's property and obviously make contact with uh, with Trump or somebody close to Trump. So obviously that's collusion, right? Because we know from what the left has said about uh, about the the now wrapping up Russia investigation that if if people who are Russian are trying to figure out how to contact the Trump campaign and trying to trick people close to Trump into trusting them and trying to, uh, you know, worm their way in through uh, through deceit or other means into Trump's inner circle. So obviously that proves collusion. And of course, on this program, we pointed out it actually proves just the opposite, that there's not collusion, because if you're colluding with somebody, well, anyhow, you get it. I just thought I'd point this be prepared right for all you know all of the conspiracy theories from the left about this uh, interesting story 
out of South Florida. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up with, with taxes in Oklahoma. Curtis Shelton has an article up over at OCPAThink.org on uh, the the Tax Foundation's new tax map, which shows what we have known about Oklahoma. And I, I wanted to say I just wanted to say a couple things about this because we always get pushback on this when we point out that Oklahoma property taxes are extremely low. 49th out of 50 out of, out of 50 in the country and uh, and, and look I want to say a couple things about this I'm going to put a piece up on the uh, the new Trent England show blog where you can go and at uh, ocpathink.org if you go to the projects tab go to the Trent England show you can you can find our not just the show archive now but uh, also the show blog and uh, and I'm going to put this up later today on the blog because I think this is important. I, I, I hear there's always conservative pushback. On, well, property taxes are just not not from everybody, but from some people. Property taxes are immoral because if they can tax your property, they can take away your property. You don't really own your property and it's return to feudalism. And I, I, I've heard this over and over again. This is not true. I, I just have to as, as a factual matter, this is not true. Because if you don't pay your income taxes, they can take away your house. If, if you're a business owner and you don't remit sales taxes, They'll come and take away your business, and potentially they'll take away your house. Right? This is not. There's nothing unique about property taxes with regard to the fact that you can lose your house if you don't pay, right? And uh, and, and the same is true. Of the more sort of moral argument that well, you know, if, if if they charge you taxes on your property, it means you don't own your own your property. By that rationale, income taxes are slavery. And I know some of my libertarian friends, and I really mean friends. I mean, I have I have been the keynote speaker at state libertarian party conventions for for Pete's sake uh, in the past. So I, I I get I get libertarians. I get the argument. I it's not I'm not there. But uh, but look, I, I get the argument that some people make that all taxation is immoral, and all taxation is theft, and income taxes are slavery, and property taxes are feudalism, and all that. But but look, if, if, if income taxes are not slavery, then property taxes are not feudalism. And, and here's the thing. Here's why I think this is really important. Uh, because the problem that we have in states like Oklahoma is that we ha- the, the more you tax unstable things like oil and gas, the more you just hand, you hand over the uh, or, or I, I should put it differently. The more you you shape the political terrain in favor of the political left, and you know the 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 dumbest level of strategy is uh, is looking down at our feet as we're walking, right? Looking at the very next step we're going to take, right? That's that's you know sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to look right down when you're hiking down a trail and and see if there's a route there, but. The higher levels of strategies, you're looking out a little further. You're looking out a little further. And the highest level of strategy is you're actually looking out and, and shaping that terrain in politics ahead of you. And the problem with taxing volatile things is it creates a one-way ratchet, right? When we tax oil and gas, I mean, and this you think of anything that's really volatile, right? I mean, the, the, back when Oklahoma's economy was more agricultural, uh, the, the more that your taxes are reliant on those commodities, right, it creates the same effect. But oil and gas is the situation in Oklahoma today. When you, when you, when you tether your tax system to those things, you get the, the worst thing that happens is the boom. People, you know, people miss this, and as soon as people wind up in the legislature, it's impossible for people to recognize this. The worst thing that happens is the boom, because all of a sudden, and we're we're kind of there right now, but it's not a, it's not a big boom, so it's not as bad. 
But uh, but all of a sudden, government has extra money. And when government has extra money, what do they do? They spend it all. And, and what do they spend it on? They spend it on things that grow government. And what happens when you grow government? You grow dependency. You create constituencies that are dependent on those government programs, and they are almost impossible to get rid of. What did Ronald Reagan say, right? The closest thing to eternal life in this world is a government program. And the problem is, when, when your tax system is volatile, and I've heard people say, well, government should suffer like the rest of us. Well, I mean, that is emotional, not rational, political thinking. It's terrible strategy, right? Because the strategy for conservatives when it comes to designing a tax system should be, we should want a tax system that is stable, that doesn't provide those spikes. Now, it's not, it's not, it really isn't as much about the downturns. It's about the spikes that ratchet up government, right? We are, I mean, the more that we rely on taxes on oil and gas and income taxes that are so closely tied to the performance of the oil and gas economy, the more we hand, we hand over the political terrain to the, to the political left in Oklahoma. We allow the forces of, and I'm not saying Democrats, I'm saying people on the left, uh, whatever letter they've got behind their name, and there's plenty of people who don't have D behind their name in Oklahoma who support big government and want government to get bigger and are working hard to make government bigger even right now in Oklahoma. You see this with Medicaid expansion, right? Medicaid expansion is not being pushed by, I mean, supported by Democrats, and it's not being pushed by Democrats, it's being pushed by Republicans. And I think it's, I think it's close to being dead for the year, by the way. But, uh, but we will, uh, we will, we will, <laughs> we'll keep beating it until we're sure. Um, uh, The good thing about a tax system, and I'm not arguing for a tax system like Texas, right? I mean, Texas property taxes, I think, are, are too high. But the, the good thing about a tax system that is more balanced is that it's more stable and it, it creates less of these huge booms of government revenue, which create fewer opportunities for the forces of big government to easily expand government, increase government dependency. And, uh, and look, what, what, has, what makes me a, a big believer in all this is my own personal experience living in Washington State, a state run by the political left. But they, they have a very hard time getting what they want there because there's no state income tax. And the state is, is low. I mean, there is a state property tax, and the state is more reliant on more stable taxes. They just, they just don't get the huge booms in government revenue that, uh, that they would get if they had an income tax or, or some more volatile taxes. And it makes it, it makes it much harder. I mean, look, when, you know, when the left, when, when Seattle basically runs your government, you're going to have a lot of bad policies and you're going to, you know, they're going to push up spending and tax rates as much as they can. But they are very much more limited there than they have been in places like California, Illinois, New York, Connecticut. Those states have much worse governance, um, much more severe budget problems than the state of Washington for the simple fact that Washington state doesn't have an income tax, also produces economic benefits. But, uh, but, it, but in particular, it, it limits the growth of government over time. So anyhow, I just I, I commend Curtis Shelton's uh, piece. Just got some some of the latest data on this, but it's also a reason to think about a better mix of uh, you know a, a better tax structure for Oklahoma and for other states like Oklahoma, so that we make it less likely that government grows out of control in the future. That's my point. If you disagree, go to the Trend England Show uh, Facebook page and uh, feel free to. Post a comment, shoot me a message, whatever you want. I'll post the links to the stories we talked about on the Trent England Show. Also, you can go and check out our new blog. You know what? I'll just I'll 
I'll post the easy way, the easiest way to find it is I'll post everything over at our Facebook page. So that's the best place to connect with the Trent England Show. Thanks for being a part of the program this morning, and we'll be back for a couple more days this week.